it's really dark and it's ominous and he's standing in moonlight and he's examining a body. Hello and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode by episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 12, The Ultimate Doom, part 2. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yes, we shall. Last time on the Transformers, Sparkplug turned into a shitty parent via mind control. You, well, when the Decepticons are involved, that happens. Optimus <laughs> hit his head and made extremely questionable decisions. And then Megatron has uh, transported Cybertron into Earth's orbit. As you do. And as we open today, catastrophes threaten to rip the planet Earth to pieces. And Cybertron... <laughs> It just looks like a bad moon rising on the horizon. <laughs> oh god, I didn't realize that rhymed at the time. <laughs> Spike tries to talk some sense into his dad, but Sparkplug just tries to get him to join the bad guys instead. Oh, I swear Spike really looks like he's staring into the camera like it's the office. <laughs> he looks so done. He really, really does. This poor kid. And if you remember last time, it was Optimus Prime himself that allowed Cybertron to be space bridged near Earth. Optimus is regretting his actions at the moment, and Ironhide tells him he did what he needed to do. Why? No, I call bullshit on this. There was no good reason why this needed to happen beyond Megatron saying that Cybertron would be destroyed otherwise, but I don't really think it would have been. There was no reason to think this. I call bullshit. Optimus, you could have literally taken a step back to think about this. He didn't need to press the stupid button right that minute. He could have decked Megatron, knocked him out, thought about it, then pressed the button. I still would have thought you made the wrong decision, but whatever. <laughs> you could have had Ratchet look at your head first. I mean... Yeah, got... seriously, I'm convinced he had a head injury. <laughs> yeah. And so Megatron's already decided that they've won the war. Of course. As you know, uh, giant mechanical despots are prone to do. I mean, he does this multiple times. Uh, of course. Uh, Spike attempts to shoot Megatron with this, like, laser beam that might be a satellite from the previous episode, we're not sure. I'm pretty sure it is. It basically looks exactly like what they used to space Yeah, but it doesn't Spike. have the giant dish on it. That's why I was confused. Maybe they took it off? I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. Anyway, it's this thing he hops into and tries to shoot Megatron, but, uh, Megs is warned by spark plug and gets out of the way. Bad dad. Uh... This generates some rocks that almost hit Starscream, and Starscream is incredibly angry about getting rocks thrown at him. And he totally looked like Thundercracker the shot prior, like he was totally Thundercracker blue, and then <laughs> next shot we see him reacting, and nope, that is Starscream. <laughs> He's probably super pissed about the color change, too. I would imagine. Starscream insults Spike by calling him a flesh creature and says, They're invincible! Oh my god, we should maybe have a tally of that. I, we should. We should just have it. I, I, I think it would literally explode with or all maybe, the... maybe how many episodes since Starscream said we're invincible or I'm invincible. <laughs> it's been zero days since the last incident. <laughs> that seems simpler. I don't know. Um, so uh, Starscream leads the other Decepticons into an attack. And during this attack, Bumblebee gets hit, and this hit, for some reason, makes a sound straight out of a bowling alley, instead like, of it actually sounding like metal is being hit. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't sound like a strike, but it sounds like they got, like, one or two pins with a bowling ball, <laughs> and it's honestly kind of 
weirdly um auditorially disappointing <laughs> it's weird yeah. it doesn't quite have the impact maybe you were expecting yeah and meanwhile optimus acquires cat scratch fever as ravage jumps on his back then a branch falls on a power line overhead which i don't think we saw this power line before now um but yeah the branch falling on the power line causes uh the power line to fall down and shock ravage who then runs the fuck away I, mean, I just have to ask, like, what was the point of anything that's happened in this episode? I don't think it really has an impact on anything that happens after this. It's just, things are sort of happening at they, this point, I think. They needed something to fill up space because they didn't have enough plot for three freaking episodes. Yeah, this should have been, like, maybe two. <laughs> I don't think they'd quite gotten two-parters down at this point. Uh, probably not. Because I think we've only got individual episodes and then three-parters. And then the five-parters. Oh, God. I'm not looking forward to those. I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced the multi-parters are the weakest ones in the series. Yeah. And so the Seekers take to the air and Starscream orders Thundercracker to shoot. Thundercracker is, you know, totally rightfully worried about the wind. And Starscream is like, shoot anyway! And then lo and behold, uh, the fire from Thundercracker's flamethrowers totally blow back in onto them and... They don't have a good time. And they do not. But naturally, in the middle of a life or death fight, this sight causes Jazz and Trailbreaker to drop everything and toss a few fire pumps at each other. Hot nose. Hot nose. <laughs> they weren't even good fire puns. <laughs> yeah. Rumble gets a taste of his own medicine as seismic activity causes a crevice to open under his feet and swallow him up. <laughs> He's getting his just desserts, I guess. I don't know. And Soundwave's been just standing in the back watching all this chaos. Like, he just... He looks like he's disassociated. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm one, a boy, am I tired? But yeah, so he's just standing back, watching all this chaos unfurl around him, and then Megatron orders him to use an audio disruptor wave. Which, which he has now, apparently. <laughs> and Soundwave, being one of the few bots able to take an order in this goddamn army, does what he's told. The resulting audio wave causes the Autobots to flee, and for the majority of the humans to seemingly snap out of their weird mind control like, Except spark plug. I guess this thing, like, just... I don't know, it seems like it makes the Autobots fall down and then humans just snap out of things. But of course spark plug isn't, isn't uh, snapped out of this. It's plot relevant. Of course. And then we literally see Prime's trailer sort of shimmer into existence here as they flee, which was a nice effect. It was actually a nice effect, but I'm still like, is the trailer a hologram? Does it, like, come out of subspace? How does the trailer work? And I'm never going to get an answer to this. <laughs> I think we just say subspace, but... Probably. Which is so many questions. Uh, Spike and Bumblebee flee as Spike watches his dad escape into Skywarp. And why do you think Skywarp was picked to be the, the spark plug fairy? <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe he was just cooler with having squished well, humans near him, or as he'd say, squishies. I don't know. He seems like he's maybe chiller than the others. Oh, Starscream would not even remotely consider the idea, like, well, whatsoever. He does with Dr. Archival. Yeah, but that's on but, his own choice. I don't yeah. think he'd be very happy if Megatron's like, you are in charge of this tiny human, Starscream. True, and I feel like Thundercracker would just be like, nope, 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 nope. Thundercracker out. Yeah. So watching Dr. Archival makes the connection that his mind control has been broken by the audio disruption. And 
This will be relevant later. <laughs> oh, very relevant. <laughs> very. Starscream, in the middle of all this, starts yelling at Megatron about letting the Autobots escape. Megatron rewards this outburst by backhanding Starscream across the face. As he does. I mean, he seems like he does that, like, once every two episodes. Something like that. They have a very weird relationship. Megatron tells Starscream that this is the only warning he's intending to give, and Starscream makes a super fucking weird face. Is he turned on by this? I mean... Is he turned on by this? Because that's, that's what that spark looks like. Okay. Back at the Decepticon base, Rubble watches with mild interest as Dr. Evil shoots spark plug with a laser. Why? Why does Dr. Evil shoot him with a device that's like three feet away and hanging from the ceiling instead of, I don't know, a handheld device that would be, you know, a lot more easy to control? Obviously, it's to make the new hypno-chip stick. Who needs glue when you have lasers? I feel like... Glue would be the the easier and cheaper method here. He's a mad scientist, Bex. He's a mad scientist. Lasers are clearly the way he has to go. But it's not efficient. <laughs> mad scientists don't care about efficiency. I feel like he should. Well, but... He's a kind of shitty character, to be honest. He is, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I don't think we ever see any other iterations of him, which I guess I'm glad about. He actually is in Shattered Glass, oh. ironically, um, but is he's he... a good guy. That's good. That's I like good. him. I like him in Shattered Glass, actually. I was, I was gonna ask if he was a good person. That's he's actually cool. really cool. He's still got, like, some cybernetic augmentations that nobody's really sure where it came from, but no, he's actually pretty cool. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'll have to read those. I mean, you're, you're, you're all on enable... your new computer now. Well, you're enabling the hell out of me. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel I can only return the favor. <laughs> so, Laserbeak is apparently kid off, well, off kidnapping more human test subjects elsewhere. He kidnaps two people at a time here. You think he'd go to a school or factory or something and get a bunch of people all in one go? <laughs> well, he's also one relatively small bird robot. True. Uh, you think they would send multiple bots and do this? True, true. But I guess the animators just didn't want to deal with animating a whole crowd, crowd of people, which, um... Fair! I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, I'll give him that. Laserbeak returns with the kidnapped men, and Rumble takes one of them off to be enslaved via Hypnochip. But not before Shockwave calls to inform Megatron that the energy level of Cybertron is at a critically low level. Cybertron is just always on the verge of fucking starving, oh god. <laughs> Shockwave, Shockwave, you've gotta ask for a transfer, man. <laughs> yeah, or just, you know, actually shipping goddamn Energon. Which, I guess the Decepticons do try, but the Autobots keep, you know... <laughs> fucking shit up? Yeah, I've forgotten the word that I want. Fending off their efforts? Something, whatever. Sabotaging? <sighs> they're not sabotaging, they're just completely locking things down and preventing them from, do from doing it. It's, I feel like the word starts with an F, but it's not important! Let's, <laughs> let's get back to this! Um, back with the Autobots. Optimus and Ironhide are having trouble navigating the severe weather. Quotation marks there. <laughs> so many quotation marks around severe. <laughs> it just looks like a heavy drizzle, but okay, guys. Jazz is ergonomically handling this situation by magnetizing himself to Ironhide's bumper. Jazz, you just make everything better. You're you're awesome, dude. Definitely. Even if I am kind of annoyed by your really bad puns earlier. He's the pun master. <laughs> pun meister. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Bumblebee's cab, Spike, just, he looks so fucking done. He really looks like he's disassociating. Oh yeah, he's super out of it. So much so that when Bumblebee blows out a tire and needs help, he's gotta, like, physically shake Spike out of his cab to get his attention. Oh god, no one's having a good day, especially with all the rain. And Megatron would like to have some updates on his human slaves. Oh, thank you very much. I'm not sure who wrote this damn episode, but I strongly suspect it may have been a drunk monkey because we literally keep cutting to people for less than 30 seconds and then cutting away again. All of these scenes feel so pointless. And so we go back yet again with Spike and Bumblebee after swapping to Megatron for like 10 seconds. Um, a big random crack opens up under Bumblebee. Bee ends up hanging off the edge of the side of the cliff, clutching Spike to his chest. And okay, it's it wasn't intended to look like this, but between Spike's expression here and the way he's clinging to Bumblebee, it really just looks like he's completely and utterly disgusted with someone critiquing their relationship. <laughs> That's the, I know he's clinging to Bumblebee for for dear life, cause God, there's like <laughs> a canyon, fucking yeah, hundred foot canyon. We don't know how deep it is, but he, just between that expression, he just looks so disgusted. He looks so unhappy. Laserbeak shows up out of nowhere and takes off a spike. This is apparently what giant robot birds do. That's just his life. I want to know why the cassettes got conscripted into helping the mad scientist exactly. They actually know how to take fucking orders. That's the reason. <laughs> and they're vaguely close to scale to him. Yeah, they are a lot smaller. Yeah. And then Bumblebee loses his grip by apparently forgetting that he was, you know, needing to hang on to the edge with... That particular hand. <laughs> he presumably falls to his death as we go to the commercial break. And to sort of quote the Jim Jam, Buy the toys, kids, or Bumblebee might die! <sighs> That's a lot of the motivational factor behind these uh -huh. episodes, isn't it? Uh -huh. <sighs> oh, God. Spike is rescued by Blue Streak Hound and Windcharger. When Blue Streak shoots Spike out of Laserbeak's grasp, bringing Blue Streak's sniper skills into this. Of course. And how transforms and catches Spike in his seat, it's very strange because he, like, jumps up in the air so they're sort of falling at the same time and it seems like he's actually slowing Spike's momentum down? Or trying to? Yeah, like, this entire production is really weird because, like, they're down below and then... Hound transforms, drives, like, up and around, off a cliff, to and catch, catch him. Spike. Yeah. And that's, and that seems like such a goddamn production just to try and catch this kid, but right. I mean, they don't want him to die. Well, like, I, I, I feel like since the last episode, obviously Ratchet has given them a good talking to on, hey, humans can't survive long falls or something. They're squishy. Their terminal velocity will splatter their internal organs even if the exterior does not splatter. Don't let them drop. <laughs> you answer to me. They would. Yeah. And then Blue Streak calls Laserbeak a turkey. Shut up, Blue Streak. He might have called. I don't forget if it was just a turkey or something else. Attached I don't to care. Turkey. It involved a turkey, and I was like, <laughs> shut up, Blue Streak. And then Spike leads the others over to the crevice that swallowed Bumblebee, because you gotta get the bee. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but then Hound pulls out a scanner that he holds in front of his crotch and swipes it from side to side. It looks really awkward. It looks so bad. Where did he even pull it from? Who knows, but Hound does eventually pick up Bumblebee's signal with his penis. I mean his scanner. 
And then Windcharger uses his magic arms to pull B out of the crevice with his laser magnetic tractor beam. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they get Bumblebee back, and I love that Bumblebee says that he's out of gas, so he just climbs the hound's back steep for a ride back to base. This is not the only time we see giant robots riding in or on other giant robots. He's just so good-natured about it, I think is what cracks me up. Mm-hmm. The Decepticons load up Skywarp with Energon and send Sparkplug to Cybertron with them. Finally! Finally they're getting some Energon. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Evil's pissed that Megatron is sending away one of his slaves, but Megatron informs him that the Decepticons have duplicated his tech and now can control his slaves too. Doc, Doc, you're evil and you didn't file a patent and also you're working with giant evil robots, so did you really expect the giant evil robots to respect your creator's rights here? Did yeah. you seriously expect that? Did you expect them to have some sort of... I forget the word. Copyright uh, patents? I don't know. Honor Among Thieves? Ah, yeah, no. I don't We're, know. We are talking about Megatron. Yeah. Back with the Autobots, they send out the Dinobots to help with disaster relief as Earth continues to be affected by various natural disasters. Grimlock makes his apathy about Earth's fate known, and then Wheeljack asks him... With you on it? And Grimlock considers this for a moment and is like, I hadn't thought of that. Or but <sighs> get to the right conclusion eventually. <laughs> You'll learn some enlightened self-interest, Grims. Grimsy, you will in time. <laughs> and then the Decepticons um, are also having some issues with these various natural disasters they uh, um, they set off as their uh, base is damaged with, from rockslides and tsunamis. Naturally, Starscream comments on this with his normal level of charm. That is loudly and with lots of screeching. Yes. <sighs> yeah, and Spike continues to deal with his dad's absence. He's not a happy camper. He really isn't. When another earthquake rocks the Ark, this time due to Mount St. Hilary exhibiting volcanic activity. <laughs> All the Autobots evacuate the Ark, and we get some excellent visual shitposting as... Uh, all the Autobots, not quite ah, all okay. the Autobots. Sorry, the Autobots are evacuating the Ark, and then we get some excellent visual shitposting as... Once outside, Ironhide turns toward the... He turns toward the volcano and then transforms and wordlessly points with an open mouth. And then, not a second later, the volcano erupts and Ratchet, Huffer, and Windcharger come blasting out the top of the volcano. This totally is not Ratchet's idea of a party, but maybe Huffer's having a good time. It's Huffer. You know he isn't. And then they're saved by Skyfire. Hi, buddy! (laughs) So Optimus, after all this happens, says that they need to turn off the volcano. That's really not how volcanoes work, but okay, buddy. Ironhide goes inside the volcano and blasts a bunch of rocks to plug it up. And he says, when you're good, you're good, or something to that effect. It's something to that effect, and that should not work, but, uh... They should, they could really use Beachcomber here, because he's, he's, you know, he's a, he's a geologist. And maybe get a professional next time. Anyway, this works for no reason. (sighs) Why? Uh, And then we see the Dinobots doing various things that are supposedly helping the natural disasters, but oh, at least that's what know. the cartoon wants us to think. They're, they're doing something. They're doing some blockades and some um, canals to help with the tsunami. I, I guess it's like that thing where Ironhide was like shooting like oh god canals or whatever uh, during I think the first three parter something like that in the arc, which is apparently totally just fine now. 
Optimus is talking about Spike with Spike just standing right there. Like, that's awkward. You gotta get better at keeping track of your little dudes near your feet, man. <laughs> and Spike is informed that Sparkplug has been taken to Cybertron. How did the Autobots know this? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't know if they got a call or if Optimus is just telling this to Skyfire or what. Or maybe Optimus Prime's magic pecs picked it up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Regardless, Wheeljack, Bumblebee, and Skyfire all volunteer to go with Spike to Cybertron to rescue his dad. Ah, oh, Skyfire's so freaking nice. Give that bot a hug. And this is Spike's first time on Cybertron! Except that Chip and Sparkplug totally got to go there before him, so <laughs> all the, like, fun uniqueness is maybe taken away. Skyfire is apparently excellent at flying as he's dodging the hell out of everything that the Decepticons are throwing at them right now. And then Braun is apparently here, too. I, I mean, I guess we need... I guess we need pugnacious short dude that can punch through things, but alright. And clearly, Skyfire hates him as much as I do, because Skyfire trips Braun when he's exiting Skyfire's cargo bay. By transforming, Skyfire was apparently just in a super big-ass hurry. <laughs> and Spike does not have any situational awareness whatsoever, because he just totally bumbles right into a laser beam, triggering a trap that he then falls into. And Bumblebee and Braun proceed to jump in after him. Mostly because they're small, but... Good job, Spike. You split up the party. You should never split up the damn party. Yeah. Naturally, they escape through a nearby ventilation shaft until they fall through that tube. I think the Decepticons use the uh, Cybertronian equivalent of tinfoil or something for this. Yeah, it like just falls to pieces. They fall through it. Yeah, whatever contractor got hired for this, whoever hired them should, should really try and get, you know, compensation. Pretty much. Our three idiots land right in front of the helpfully labeled Hypnochip control computer. <laughs> it's so convenient, and Braun proceeds to call Wheeljack on his handy-dandy cell phone to explain the whole mind control chip thing to him. And they, everybody hides because they hear somebody coming, but Spike lures his dad nearby by leaving out Sparkplug's favorite wrench. I don't think we ever see him bring the wrench, but apparently he just Apparently brought he brought it. it. <laughs> yeah. And then Sparkplug sees Spike and alerts the Decepticons because Spike's just like, I love you, Dad! I can't hide from you! <laughs> and the episode cuts as Spike yells, No! And there are tears glimmering in his eyes. Of course. It's very anime. Join yeah. us next time for the thrilling conclusion to our three-parter, The Ultimate Doom Part 3. And that's thrilling with a question mark behind it because how thrilling is this stuff, really? <laughs> You decide. I don't think it's very thrilling. <laughs> Alright, um, Spix. What is our fanfic for today? Alright, so our uh, recommendations for today are... Well, our fanfiction recommendations for today. There's only two of them, so I'm trying to keep this minimal. <laughs> are Tanked by Cyberwolf, which is in the G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated T, because Optimus Prime accidentally gets drunk. <laughs> <laughs> And it's rated Gen, more or less. Uh, it mentions Optimus Alita, which uh, has some... Um, basically involves Optimus sort of musing on his relationship with her and being like, I didn't know she was my sister. We didn't know. Oh, dear God. <laughs> For like four million years, our creator was a jerk. Oh, God. That's so wrong. It is. It is. Sorry. Um. So... Yeah, I guess that's a thing. I guess that's a note for you. All right. Uh, our characters here are Optimus Prime, Sparkplug Witwicky, Spike Witwicky, and Ironhide. 
And in summary, Prime needs help. Only Sparkplug can give it. And I basically just wanted something Sparkplug-centric for this, and it's a one-shot, and basically both of these are actually Sparkplug-centric. All right, our second one is uh, The Human Element by I'm underscore the underscore doctor, and then Bofer one in uh, parentheses. parentheses. Thank you. It's G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated G. Uh, it's Jen. <laughs> there aren't any pairings. And our characters here are Ratchet, Wheeljack, Sparkplug, Jazz, Bumblebee, Brawn, Gears, Huffer, Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Blue Streak, Prowl, Hoist, and Blaster. More or less in order of uh... importance <laughs> or appearance? Uh, probably appearance, yeah. In summary, and stay out! I don't want to see another human for the rest of this tricursed orn. Ratchet is being even more uptight than usual, especially about humans, so a few of his friends decided to intercede in the ways that they know best. And okay, I said it was something Sparkplug-centric. It's also kind of Ratchet-centric, too, because they're trying to convince Ratchet that humans are okay. (laughs) And it's, um... Technically, I think it might be part of a series, because this particular author has actually a really, really long... A series that seems to focus on the mini bots that I've been meaning to read, but I haven't yet. Gotcha. But this was, it was fun and entertaining, and Ratchet's like, you need to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> this convincing had better involve booze. Kind of. It's a party. It's Ratchet. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, so those are our two uh, fanfiction recommendations. Thank you. All right, and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowport as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, Archive of Our Own, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Till next time, I'm Specs, And I'm Els. Toodles!